Welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, episode 12-10, the exciting season finality, finality, <laughs> the, exciting, the exciting season finale of season 12, Rhythm and Pixels, <laughs> World 12 podcast exclusive, only on Fox. No, it's not. <laughs> I remember back when that actually meant something, yeah, too. Right. Only on Fox. Really? Yeah, I want to watch. Now it's more like... Only on Fox. I guess I won't be watching much oh, of that. Oh, boy. I kid. I still wouldn't mind. I just don't watch TV at all anymore, so. Yeah, I know. Me neither. We just, I've been, I've been re-watching Friends. I, I can't say re-watching. I've been watching it. Friends on Netflix. I, it blows my mind. Do, do you use Netflix at all? I have an account, but I rarely utilize it. But do you know, like, when you turn it on and it shows, like, um, Top like dramas and oh, yeah. it has a list of shows and it says, like, horror movies and has a list of shows. This one, it just literally said Friends and had a list of episodes. Because Friends is apparently like, that popular. Yeah, every, like, 600 or 400 episodes was, like, was listed across the scrolly bar. And I was like, I guess I should watch it. And you know what? It was it was pretty funny. I'm not even going to lie. I'm going to flat out say that I have an illogical distaste for the show. Back when I was a teenager, yeah. in ancient times, yeah. <laughs> uh, I used to work at uh, the Hokie Grill at Virginia Tech as a pizza guy. And we had a huge student lounge that... Is inside it shared space with the Chick Fil A and the pizza that I worked at. So every Thursday night when I worked, friends would come on. And they would display it on this massive flat screen TV in the middle. Yeah. People would be eating their meals, and I would walk out there on a regular, and just like, "Why are we still watching this terrible <laughs> show? There's better TV that can be on the TV." And honestly, aside from those instances of watching it at Hokey Grill, I've never watched Friends. It was just. Something about the show from no. those incidents. I was like, I don't like this show. There is. There's some things I'd like to talk about um, off the air, which is probably not appropriate for. Uh, oh, wait, this is a video game music podcast. And we're talking about friends. But no, there's some things that are probably inappropriate that I want to talk to you about after. But there, <laughs> this is a podcast where we listen to great video game music. Um, and this episode, great video game music, primarily of the past. Yes, like we. This originally was a cool topic we had in mind with to go with a guest, but things occurred, and our logic was just because those things occurred doesn't mean we can't utilize that awesome topic anyway. Yeah, and if you're if you happen to be listening, Paul, this is a standing invitation. If you want to come on the show, we want you. On we want show. you on the show. We'll just we can do it. But today you missed your chance on NES jams. Throw it down there. from downtown. <laughs> It was just one of the things where I was like, boom, shakalaka. It was a good excuse to throw tracks together that I don't know what they would have been on otherwise. They probably would have fit another topic, yeah. but when you have such a nebulous one, I can like just dig them all up. Well, I was wondering, I, I know there, I have a, like, I have like a good like backlog of tracks of like NES games, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I just love the tracks up. And then for a long time, we've been going, doing a lot of um, Super Nintendo. We've been doing a lot of Genesis going through. We've been, we've been playing a lot of PlayStation games. And I wanted to go back and listen to some classic, classic tunes. Actually, this reminded me of something. If anyone's listening and they intend to enjoy writing in or do either to our email or to like the Facebook groups or anything, I had this weird desire due to this episode kicking off where I want to go back and play a lot of NES, SNES, mm-hmm. Genesis, and Turbo Graphics games 
that may have flown under the radar, so to speak. So I'm not saying, hey, Pro, have you ever played that Mario 3 game that everyone talks about? No, I mean the lower key titles. And I would like to experience those firsthand so that I can feel more comfortable saying, I want to talk about that music on the show. And a good example of that is a game I'm going to start playing soon called Ultimate Stuntman. A friend Mike recommended it to me. Ultimate Stuntman. Yeah, I'd never heard of it. I remember stunt driving. Start driving is like really? No, yeah. I wonder if that might be another game to throw ultimate down with. Stuntman. What's what, what's all, okay? Real quick, what's Ultimate Stuntman? It's a I don't know. I'm going to start playing it this weekend, <laughs> but it's apparently a stunt. You're, it's like an action game where yeah. you're portraying a stuntman who each level is him going through a different action sequence of some sort. I guess that um, sounds cool though. Like, that's a good premise for a game and for an NES game. You can do like a lot of different like styles of, of, of like levels and things. And the music is beast. It's going to definitely be oh. on a future episode. But I want to play the game. Oh, now. I'll have to check that out. So like this is because you know our usual dynamic is like I'm like it's very rare that I pick music from a game I haven't played. So I feel like I'm more committed when I'm like. Have experienced this game. The music in it is really good. Like Chris Murray recommended uh, a guy named like Matt Creamer. Um, yeah, he yeah. does music. It was for a game called Matchland Cartoon Network. Yeah, it was like it was like Cartoon Network like puzzle like Match Three probably. I'm yeah. assuming type game. But oh my, that soundtrack is awesome. Yeah, it is. It, yeah. But it's funny because like people were all everybody like you and Ed and everybody was like. This has great music, and my fight was: I'm not listening to any of it. I gotta play the game. Yeah, I want to know. You want to have that context? Yeah, I need yeah. the context. And it turned out that I made a guess on what the game was like. I was pretty much dead on, but I played it anyway. I was like, this game is actually It's got that addictive charm to it, and the music fits. Like, mm. I like the music in its context and out of context. Like, it's it's quality stuff. Yeah. So again, that also may well end up on the show soon because I liked what I heard a lot. So. That's me, and I'm rambling. No, that's all right. <laughs> this is kind of a rambling intro to the episode. Is that the our rambliest one yet? I yeah, think. I think that's fine. Also, but before we change to the actual track, <laughs> before we get into more of the actual show, what's <laughs> what up? are uh, afraid we should do the the top of what have you been playing recently, if anything? Oh man, I have not had the opportunity to play much of anything so the past yeah i started a new job and that's a horrible excuse for not playing video games no but it really is it, it, more games <laughs> i know i should be playing games but no i just yeah i haven't had the opportunity or i just haven't been playing um i was playing iconoclasts and i know we talked about this pre-recording but i don't think i like that game you're trying to convince me to give it another chance yes i am i think i should i love the way it sounds i love the music i love the way it looks i love the artwork and the sprites I'm just not feeling the game, but what it's doing is that it's it's putting me in the mindset of I'm ready to play something deeper and more exciting. I know Persona Five is going to be great. I should just play Persona Five. And sadly, my pick is like, yes, I want you to play Persona Five. Yeah, exactly. But on the other hand, I'm like, now you're torn, right? Try. <laughs> I, I, I pretty much hit Rob with a try to get to this point in the game, and if you haven't made the switch to feeling like you want to press on. I totally get So there's like a tower, right? Yes, a place called the tower. It's not too far from where you're at because the game isn't that long. It's just more like, I think, I feel like the way the game, the guy was, first of all, put in context, the game was created by one guy over 10 years. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, like, I I, I understand. No, no, I mean, the reason why I'm saying that from the context is that I feel like when he originally started making the game, he was probably like, I'm going to make this hoppy boppy game. Here are some colorful characters doing some stuff. And then as he played further and started getting further and further in development, he's like, I'm going to write some stuff 
and give them more character oh. and I'm going to actually create better environments and better scenes like I'm going to give you more of a reason to want to press on than hopping and bopping so mm-hmm. the game ramps up as far as like things you're seeing and what you're trying to do and I felt like oh. I I went along with that ride and got to the point where I was like oh wow I want to see what's happening oh, next so like like because almost yeah because of that I'll, I'll be more excited later on yeah I think the game picks up more and you're like whoa that's happening okay oh these two characters are talking um yeah I'm, I'm gonna do it for you thank you I'll do it for you and on <laughs> <laughs> on my end what am I yeah, I yeah yeah like well what's the next thing you're reviewing like the well I don't think I have well right now there's a game I'm about to review I think the review might be coming out by next week but um I'm reviewing a game for the podcast called Super Daryl Deluxe which is like a Never heard of it until the review was requested to me, passed to me. That sounds familiar. It's pretty cool, though. I may have mentioned it to you in the in passing. Daryl Deluxe. Super Daryl Deluxe. You are a Napoleon Dynamite-looking kid <laughs> who just got enrolled in this like Waterfalls High School, uh-huh. and you are trying to make friends there, and everyone's a jerk, <laughs> and it's also a multidimensional high school. So you're like going through like this weird trippy science lab to retrieve textbooks and each textbook page that you get is an actual move that you learn and you build long string action action combat combos. And it's just a really goofy fun game that's written surprisingly well. Well, I'm looking at their Kickstarter. So they, they kickstarted their game and it looks I love this art style. It's very it's really very, cool. Very cool. It's one of those games where I don't think it's going to. It, no one talks about it, and no one probably will talk about it. But I think this is one of those games that is not coming out by a big publisher. Well, but it has all of those levels of charm that I think more people should give it a chance to see it if they can. One thing I'm really, um, I, I really like about like the the indie. I'm using kind of air quotes sometimes because sometimes they it's hard to tell what's indie yeah, sometimes anymore. like what's backing them or what's what's distributing them or producing them. But like. Like the fact that a lot of these games have like a very strong um, creative direction, where like from the very start they know how they want it to look, they know how they want it to play, or they know how they want they know how they want it to be, and you can see like in this in Super Terrell Deluxe, I'm looking at this right now, it's so clear from the beginning that like that's how they wanted it to look, and that's mm-hmm. exciting. And by the way, there's definitely gonna be music on that game from that game oh, on I the bet. show soon. I bet some good jams. All right, um, we should get actually that should be a, a topic future topic we have a lot of new topics coming up um, thank you uh, Wicked Sephiroth by the way thank you for the, all those suggestions because those are some cool suggestions we're going to be pulling from that pot <laughs> like honestly it feels good to see a roster of selections where I can like you know we can rest our brains for a bit and focus more on the tracks than coming up with topics yeah but um, we, 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 we've been going on uh, about 10 minutes or so thanks thanks for putting up with this extended intro I feel like I haven't seen you in a while, but it's only—it hasn't even been a week. It feels like it's been a while. And for the record, guys, if there's any ever time where you're like, I want to hear you guys talk about something random at the top of the show, by all means, let us know because otherwise, we just kind of catch up. And since we kind of feel like we're chatting with a bunch of friends on the show, it's almost like we're catching up (laughs) with you too. So yeah, we're just like hanging out. Um, But like, yeah, this is what we do anyway. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I'm gonna start us off with. Okay, we talked about you wanted you didn't want to have like the game context with the music. Clearly, I have not played any of these games. That's all good. But what I my my theme of all of the tracks I chose were the Nintendo sound processing unit. 
pushed beyond what it's what it's Ooh. capable of. Yeah, I'm really curious about so, which pool. Castlevania three. <laughs> well, well, whether it is um, additional hardware on the cartridge, like like on Castlevania three with the VRC six, or just the programmer and the sound designer doing some crazy business. So I'm starting with the classic Neil Baldwin Ferrari Grand Prix Challenge. Hmm. Well, let's hear this thing. I'm yeah. curious. I can't believe I haven't played this. I've, I've listened to this song so many times. I, I already assumed I played this on the show. But this is the race theme number one for Ferrari Grand Prix Challenge, composed by Neil Baldwin for the Nintendo Entertainment System. You are racing out, jamming out to Race Theme 1 from Ferrari Grand Prix Challenge for the Nintendo Entertainment System, composed by the excellent composer, Neil Baldwin. This is this is amazing. This this soundtrack alone is like makes it my favorite. Like one of my favorite composers of all time. It's, I gotta it's tell so you, good. I'm gonna say first off, based on what you stated earlier, mission accomplished, because I'm listening to this. And this doesn't even sound like an NES track to me. No, it sounds like two NESs like stacked on top of each other playing at the same time. It's amazing. This is quality stuff. And I looked up the game. It's essentially pole position graphically. Yeah. 
but in a looped track, like a like F1 race on the on the Game Boy. But I don't even think they're about the same developer. It's just an F1 racing game, but with music that seems like it's well beyond the scope of the game it was made for. Yeah, it's really, really, really cool. He's got, um, if you go to, it's called DutyCycleGenerator.com. It's like a whole blog of him just going through all of the music he's composed for, for the Nintendo and like how he did it, how he composed it, how he put it together, the limitations, how he fought against the limitations, and like how he got to make his sound, you know, how he got to make to make it sound like a rock track. Like this sounds like so many more voices than what it is, like how he was able to use the arpeggiator effect on top of another arpeggiator effect to make it sound richer and fuller. Um, so, like, we've done this show for a while, right? It's been a bit. And been a bit. I think people listening understand the NES hardware. So the NES sound hardware has a two square waves, so it can play a square wave voice, play another square wave voice, mm-hmm. play a triangle voice, where a triangle voice is often used as a substitute for a, a sine wave, like a low bass tone, because to make a perfect um, round, like if you, if you think of a, a waveform graphically and you think of like, okay, this would be a round curve, you need a lot of points on that graph to make that round curve. Okay. The NES doesn't have that bit rate. <laughs> so a, a triangle wave, you know, hits the spot. And it has a noise generator to generate static to make cool um, percussion effects. And they often used part of the memory to put in really low bit rate um, samples, right? I forgot where I was going with this. I'm just listening <laughs> and also drinking tea kind of glazed out because I feel like when you do these segments it's like there's definitely people that are, that are listening it's like oh yeah oh, it's I just square rays and triangles and curves and then you got people like me that's like this right. sounds awesome but I have no idea so, right. so you have all these okay this is where I was going with this. so you have all these voices and, and, they, and the, the program the developers the chip allowed for uh, mod- mod- modifiers to each of the channels right uh-huh. so you could um, uh, pitch bend like make okay. a pitch bend on a, on a sound you can do that on any of the channels okay um you can fade out and adjust the volume on the channels, right? Okay. You can't do that on a triangle wave. Really? Yeah. So the bass track, you can't, you can't, you can't adjust the volume on it. So basically, it's one sound volume, one sound pitch, and that's all you get. Right. And then, and then when you have samples, you also can adjust the sound on the samples. And when the bit rate is crushed so much, it can only get so loud. So can you take multiple samples at different pitches and then link them together? Well, what you do is you take the other sounds and you turn the volume down. And so everything becomes a good leveled sound. So if you're playing a video game, you're like, oh, I got to just turn the volume up, right? Mm-hmm. That's normal. But then if you compare it to other NES tracks, like a, like a Mega Man track, mm-hmm. it actually sounds much more quieter because they, they did more to level it out. And he talks about this on his website, um, trying to level out the tracks to make them sound more even because otherwise you don't hear that bass as heavy. And I feel like in this track, the bass is heavy. It, it, and honestly, it paid, the payout is immense. Oh, it's huge. I'm digging it. Uh, I think it's different on the Game Boy. I think the Game Boy had modifiers for all of them. And it also had a fourth um, sound where you can change to a squ- uh, sawtooth wave, which wasn't available on the, uh, the NES hardware. Wait, so the Game Boy was more capable from a sound perspective than the NES? It was. The NES, I'm sorry, the Game Boy also had stereo, so it could play left and right channel. That's right, You, but you had to plug in the headphones to actually make it yeah, you would, you the stereo would, sound. You would have never known it, but the hardware itself had the capability of doing 
both and also had the capability of producing another sound another sound wave which is amazing wow but so yeah so that, that's the Game Boy that's the NES the NES is very very interesting especially for the time that it was released it was heavy duty stuff it was very powerful um, and if you go back to it and listen to like the, if you listen to like the good music that came out for it like the, the tracks that we all know and love like Mega Man and Castlevania there's a reason why it's so good it was designed for these chips and the chips were versatile enough to make these awesome sounds but then you have these British composers who come out come out of the demo scene, come out of working on the Commodore 64, who are used to working with three tones, you know, and like hacking their way through to make completely different sounds, and they have their own um, their own voice, their own spin on, on how to use the hardware, and it's in, it's so different, it's so different, and it's so cool. Ultimately, I think what makes me happy is that regardless of the limitations, or I don't know, or exceeding traits and abilities or stats that a soundboard or sound chip would yeah, have on yeah. a system these talented composers come along and produce wonderful wonderful compositions for us to enjoy yeah so whether you have something immaculate as this as immaculate as this or something on a more limited coleco vision right it's still a gem it's still it's still great that and also when you think about the time that nes came out like a lot of video games didn't have music playing in the background as you played. Think of like Atari games didn't really have music as you played the game. Suddenly you had a soundtrack to the visual experience. And that enough was the reason why I was more of a, more so a fan of playing games on the NES than I think than the Cully Cohen oh, and the Commodore back Yeah, in the yeah, day. both of us, definitely. Um, but yeah, it, it, maybe that was like the catalyst for like how games are today now where, where it's more like a, a, almost a cinematic experience because you're getting visual and you're getting audio and you're getting um, a, a, oftentimes emotional um, uh, story. And I wouldn't have it any other way, which is why I rarely play quiet games. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you love music and games. I, I've, I've talked a lot about um, <laughs> this just now. Um, I'll just say that it was to, to stall and to hear this track a little bit more. Hey, I can't fault that. I was enjoying it. It's good, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm going to be matching it anytime soon, but we'll see. Because I've got some gems of my own. No, you've got some good stuff. you got some really good stuff. Give me the good stuff for now. Put a lot of pressure on me. Here. Give me the good stuff. Well, let's start this off with a odd theme that I'm pretty much running with this episode, which is games I never actually owned but borrowed from others or rented, so I never <laughs> finished any of them. <laughs> That's um, awesome. So this track is from the game Battle of Olympus. It's titled The Crete Island Maze, and it was composed by Kazuo Sawa. <laughs> You're listening to the Crete Island Maze theme from the game Battle of Olympus, composed by Kazuo Sawa. This track comes from a game that 
I well, first of all, I'm just putting perspective. Well, in context what, what, here. what kind of game is Battle of Olympus? This is an action action RPG. Well, that's what I was getting to. You figure like a lot of people talk about Zelda Two: The Adventure of Link. They talk about how difficult that game is and how like unfair people have has not really been a game like it, so to speak, at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I point those people to Battle of Olympus, which makes Zelda Two <laughs> look like a cakewalk, in my opinion. Uh, very brutal game. And it tickles me in the sense of challenge level, action combat, and it touches on a theme that I adore but rarely get to experience in my video games in a way that I like, which is Greek mythology. I don't hmm. like God of War. Um, <laughs> it's Greek mythology. So no, there, was a, there was a board game we, we were playing a while back that was... Yo, Elysium. Elysium. Oh, yeah, that was awesome. Yes, it's, it's a great game. I want to play it more often. Yeah, I want to get better at that. I want to beat you at that. That's not going to happen. <laughs> you could get better, but <laughs> yeah, you won't beat me. But like this game, like that's rough. Oh, I, hey, I gotta be. I, I gotta know, be no, both. no, no. I'm not holding against you. I'm just saying, I gotta be both. Not people know. I can't believe that. <laughs> They're like this, but I never owned this game. I I never even rented it. I used to borrow from my uncle's friend who lived down the street from him. Were you like overriding his save files, or was this, was this like a password situation? I believe it was password. It's been a while, but I'm pretty positive it was passwords. Um. But I would basically make excuses to go over to his house, and my aunt Mary, who lived, who stayed downstairs, watching Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune almost <laughs> constantly. I don't know how because only aired once a day. But she, <laughs> you know, she was like the gatekeeper to the room of games because if he, if my uncle wasn't there, oh, yeah, we've talked about this, and before. the game was being bar- wasn't if the game was being borrowed, but my uncle wasn't home, she didn't want me in his room playing with his stuff. Right. So you were like watching like Jeopardy, watching these shows <laughs> I didn't care about. <laughs> yeah. Trying to wait for an opportunity to sneak upstairs and play games. I love it. So we would typically pacify her with Coke, which she also would not share with anyone. Uh, cola. Coca-Cola. Yes. Yeah, yes. Coke, Coca-Cola. Grew but, up in uh, a rough neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> Take this Coke. But uh, <laughs> now we were pretty much like she would drink Coca-Cola and watch these shows. Yeah. And it was that window where she wasn't talking to you and she was fascinated with the TV show and hopped up on Coke, Coca-Cola. <laughs> Trying to like answer all the questions and stuff. Yes. And then you kind of tiptoe by and <laughs> yeah, shoot yeah. upstairs. You're playing games. And at a certain point she might yell out to you. But if you didn't answer, you would hope that she just forgot you were in the house. Nice. And just let you keep playing stuff. Nice. So it was almost the equivalent of the Seinfeld where they where Jerry got the girl hopped up on trip defense so he could play with all of her toys. We got my aunt hopped up on Jeopardy and Coca Cola so we could play video games. Um, it was I don't I don't regret that being that kind of kid. I don't care. It was a good way no, to be. No, I mean like kids want to play video games. Better believe we you did. know we want to play video games. We want them to be violent. We want them to be fun. Yes. Yes. And taking out Greek minotaurs. That's cool. To save fairies in the Crete maze is my kind of game. Well, this is it's a, this is a very short track, but it's got a lot of interest. Where it's like it kind of builds up, and then it's got those chords at the end. There it is, right here. It's very cool. It's such a great there's track. A lot, there's a lot, to, lot going on, and there's no there's no um, percussion, which is interesting too. And honestly, it, it creates a whole other sense of frustration. <laughs> <laughs> that percussions typically provide because this level is very frustrating to me. There's anti gravity flippage. There's shadow warriors. There's minotaurs. I got There's this strangely game, evasive soldiers. Like it's a very frustrating stage. Or like you go to fight and they, they they just back up just far yes, enough. Yes, oh. exactly that. It's so mean. Hey, that's not AI. That's how you ruin childhoods. <laughs> There's a reason why I never beat this game. But <laughs> this is also one of those games where I'm thinking as an adult with a retro pie. It's time to go revisit it and see what I can do. 
but I don't know if it's really stream worthy because it's the type of game it is. But maybe sections of it. I don't know. Now we can we can figure something out. Let's make it happen. What's your next jingle? My next jam is a new discovery for me, um, and I cannot believe it's taken me so long to, to find this one. Discovery Zone. This <laughs> Discovery Zone. This is from uh, composer Yashito Saito, which I don't think we've played on the show before. And this is Famicom only. This is from Layla, the Iris Missions for the Famicom, the Japanese-only title. And when I heard this track, I couldn't believe that this came out in the 80s when it did, because it sounds like it came out from like a chiptunes composer, like like a modern-day chiptunes composer. So it's very, it's, it sounds very modern on older hardware. But it's Layla, the Iris Missions. This is um, Iris, which I'm assuming is the theme of Iris. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also like, I think it's like an RPG, like an anime-style RPG. Um, for the Famicom, composed by Yashito Saito. And yes, this is an NES jam. I'm ready to hear. Dig it out. Dig it, dig it out. <laughs> dig yourself out of the hole. Dirt. I have to dig myself out of this hole. You do. All right, I'm going to play the track. Good luck. That was Iris from Iris the Layla Missions. Reverse, reverse. <laughs> from Layla the Iris Missions for the Famicom. <laughs> um, originally composed by Yashito Saito. Now, after listening to the music and looking at it again, discovered that this is actually a ROM hack of the original game Layla. Which, uh, by the way, looks freaking awesome. Which like, looks really cool. But like, this is a ROM hack. And not only was the game completely overhauled, the music was completely changed, and I'm having a hard time finding the, the, the new composer 
which was amazing. So I don't care. This is Iris, the Layla missions for the Famicom, a ROM hack, still an NES jam. Yeah, and honestly, looking at the game as it plays, it's while I'm not going to obviously say it's not one to one. It gives me Clash at Demon Head vibes in the sense oh, really? of the way the main character runs and their aren't their animation style and the run and gun style of gameplay. Though it also has like some weird aspects of say like. Robo Warriors, as far as like destroying blocks to collect power ups and stuff. Like, I kind of want to play it, but honestly, I feel more interested in this Iris missions because the music sounds really good. It sounds amazing. Like, no wonder, like, it's funny too. Like, it does have a modern sound to it, doesn't it? Like, it doesn't sound like classic NES for some reason. It's it's, it's the classic NES hardware, right? It's, yeah. But it's not. It's probably just that this guy had more, well, he's older, well, it's later in life, so people have had more time yeah. to break the system down and learn how to make it tick. So he pulled out some magic stop work and came up with this immaculate piece. Alright, well, it's about halftime. Let's, uh, let's play some games. Uh-oh. <laughs> There's a game? Alright, so... Um, I asked on Facebook, um, we're recording the next episode, um, what would be the name of Purnell's Final Fantasy Limit Break move? Why do you do this? <laughs> so, um, let's see what people said. All right, so your Limit Break move. Um, Ed Wilson from Pixel Tunes Radio says, The Collector's Lament. <laughs> he throw dozens of still-sealed JRPGs at you. That's pretty good. I can actually still picture like the animation sequence that was like I'm going to the sh- like I, t- I turn away from the battle to go to my shelf and start looking at my content. It's like what am I doing with all this junk? And I just start frustratingly throw it behind me. <laughs> it's all uh, cl- and it piles up on top of the guy, and I throw the shelf too. Just the weight, the weight of all of the games, and the weight of of having to finish them all just kills them. Just yes, just throws them down. It's all nines, just four nines. <laughs> oh, it had to be a quad. It had to be an all nine all damage nines. attack. Um, Wicked Sephiroth says, uh, delicious potato chip dust flavoring bean kamehameha. What? <laughs> so he did a few things there. Um, yeah, you're usually eating potato, potato chips on this show. So, like, the <laughs> beam is just a lot of crunchy sounds, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess maybe, um, I don't know if you eat the beam, eat the potato chips and create the beam, or you crush the potato chips into dust and then shoot them into a beam. That could work. It's just like a sandstorm. It's like a potato chip sandstorm. <laughs> Crumb storm. <laughs> These are the times where I wish I had programmer's ability or artistic ability to draw some of this stuff. Because it would be hilarious. That's Why? Um, Ed Wilson also says, alternatively, it could be called, and remember... And words of positivity would scroll across the screen, causing the enemy to feel so awesome that they high five the player and go back home to bake cookies. So that could be like the equivalent to like a you know a lot of RPGs will have the move where you scare the enemies away. This could be the alternate version of that where the enemies just kind of like amicably shake hands with you and walk away like, oh, this is a great conversation we had. I'm going to go home and bake some cookies. Like, no, I, I like the image of like. The two characters like going in for a high five, and their hands like slam together, and it goes nine 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 nine, and they both die. <laughs> <laughs> like that was an explosive high five. Yeah, that is so explosive, such explosive excitement that they are crushed. <laughs> they are destroyed. You get all the experience points. I should write these down for future <laughs> reference. I like all right. that. All right, what's your uh, what's your next track? So next one is from another game that I have yet to complete. At least I don't remember beating it. Um, but it's from the game Bionic Commando. 
and it is Area 5. And surprisingly, I didn't realize that this was composed by Junko Tamiya. Yeah, Junko Tamiya. For, for the NES. Was, uh, yeah, the one. arcade was someone else. That's why I thought composed it across the board. Oh, awesome soundtrack. This is Area 5. Five. It's played in multiple areas, I think, but this is the first one. At least. One, two, three, four, five. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. <laughs> you can't. You Eleven, can't, twelve. You can't let that just hang in the air, can you? I really can't. Yeah. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Eleven, whole time because i love this track so much so you're listening to the track of the release on the you're listening to the area <laughs> five theme from the game bionic commando <laughs> composed by junko tamiya mm. and if you're not trying to pluck your eyes out by this point in the game or scratch out your brain in frustration wow you are enjoying a fantastic tune yeah i do understand this game gets very difficult towards the end right <laughs> towards the end my butt <laughs> <It gets> difficult <laughs> towards like the first quarter like this is one of those games where I like to talk about, we have to have these conversations about Mega Man, where people say, what is the best Mega Man game? And if I say typically three or four, it's part of the reason is because I like the introduction of the slide, because it gives Mega Man more maneuverability. It makes him more of a versatile character in the form of his movement goes. Yeah, slide's fun. Yes, the slide is great. So, by the commando, in the context of that statement, is a game that is a great game. But the majority of the difficulty comes from just dealing with the controls of the guy you use. Right. The game hinges on one movement mechanic. And that is that grappling arm. You cannot jump. You do not have very fast movements. You are a very slow and lumbering character. But you have a grapple arm, and you can't jump, because I guess his arm was really heavy. <laughs> but uh, 
Essentially, what that means is that you have enemies who can outmaneuver you almost all the time as far as like flying enemies go and such, which this level is riddled with. And you have to worry about the fact that you evasion is almost non-existent. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta be. Re- you need to know it's coming. Exactly. Yeah. You, have to, you have to be ready. You have to move before it actually happens so that you're planning for it. You don't react to stuff half the time. Um, but this level aesthetically matches the challenge because from what I remember of the stage, it's almost like you're raiding a tower at sunset. So... Cool. So it's, it's like red sky, yeah, yeah. and you're scaling this tower with your grapple arm. Perfect for a grapple arm is going up, right? Um, but of course, you'll be crying and sobbing as you repeatedly <laughs> get knocked off the edge because you can't handle laser cannons or propeller men. This song is really neat. It's it's very like dramatic too. So it's got that feeling of like if you're in the sunset, you know, and you're climbing, like, it does have that feeling to it. It's a very tense mission. I love. Gotta the, get it done. Towards the end of the track, the um the lead sounds or like wherever like the melody is playing gets this this heavy vibrato where it's like woo woo. It's so cool. And then um it all stops and you get this little bluesy like. It's so cool. Yeah, this is one of those titles I will flat out say. I will never go so far as to say no one's ever beaten this game. That's that's ridiculous. People have beaten this game. Oh, yeah. But I refuse to believe It can be done for now. Oh, it totally can be done. I'm going to do it. (laughs) You're going to do it. But I refuse to acknowledge if a person comes to me and says, My game is so easy. You can beat it with no problem. It's a simple (laughs) game. I beat it. I was five years old. (laughs) First try. Oh, that game's super easy. You can beat that one. I'm like, oh, yeah. What what, what games do you play? This game and only this game. Only this game. (laughs) I am this game's number one speedrunner in the world. Like, well, there that goes. Uh, Well, all right. Like, no, this game is hard. (laughs) If you beat this game, you earn the win. It's cool. I mean, it's classic for a reason. Like, this is a neat game. Oh, yeah. And then they made the updated version of it later for the uh, Game Boy Color. Oh, which yeah. is immaculate, by the way. I got really into the, uh, the Xbox 361. Was it rearmed? Yeah, rearmed is great too. Rearmed was fun, man. I played the, um, the, the, the essentially the VR missions where it was like just the challenge missions. I that was so cool. I'll admit though, I had mixed feelings about the remixed OST. Like this bird, the, the remix of this is called Heat Wave, mm-hmm. and I like it, but I didn't. I didn't feel as attached to it as I feel to this version. Like this version sings to me. That version is like. Um, I want to try to feel, figure out a version of this that can be played in the club. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't really play Come to Buy yeah. a Commando for the club jams. Maybe a different, different, a different direction. Yeah, like don't, don't get me wrong, it wasn't bad. It's just yeah, different and not as good. <laughs> this this is really good. I, I really love Junko Tamiya's music. We had a whole Junko Tamiya episode. We could easily do a Junko Tamiya Two Electric Boogaloo. I think we I think we should. We could. We should. I'd like to. <laughs> All right, so uh, my next track is not a ROM hack. Are you sure? It's a real song for now. <laughs> Made by real people. Um, Facing no, real problems. Um, I played the, the sequel to this a few times on the show. This is from Morio Senke Madara for one. the Famicom. This is Mario Senke Madara 1. This is Fighting Human's Way, which I think is a, a battle theme in, in the game. But not Fighting Demon's Way. <laughs> no, but this is from the uh, Konami Kukeheya Club. So it's a number of composers. I don't have all the names in front of me or which ones actually composed on this one. But the Konami Kukahea Club loosely translates to, or directly translates to, the Square Wave Club. (laughs) (laughs) So they knew what they were doing. Um, So yeah, uh, from Morio Senke Madara, this is Fighting Human's Way, which also uses the VRC6 chip 
um, that Konami produced and the NES cartridges. So listen out for more voices. If you or, hear or too that, many voices, see a doctor. Or that text I just got. So <laughs> check it out. is Fighting Human's Way from the game Morio Senki Madara for the Famicom, composed by the uh, the Konami Kukeheya Club. And this is uh, composed using not just the NES APU, but also includes the VRC6 chip, which was embedded into the actual cartridge of the Nintendo. So Konami was like, you know what, we want to add more power. Actually, a lot of Nintendo games, and even future into the Super Nintendo, they did this too, where they wanted to add additional power to the game, whether it was graphically or whether it was audio-wise. They would actually put additional hardware onto the cartridge that you bought. So instead of having um, uh, buying the system with all the hardware and power already into it, you're buying cartridges. They produced cartridges with the same additional hardware built into every single one of them. I know I've established. I need to learn if, this, if these games have fan translations are done or not. Because yeah. I feel like with the amount we've played on this show and the quality of the oh, music for, for, from them, uh, from Madara, yeah, from both of the games, they're I, really amazing. I want to play them and see what all the fuss is about. So the, the VRC six chip includes an additional two square waves and one sawtooth wave, which is what's which before was not possible on the Nintendo hardware. So that means you got. Like, was it? Yeah, four plus three. You got seven voices, including any sampling they did on top of all of that. So that's why, like, during that opening section in the background, you hear that. It sounds like, sounds like a spooky track, you know? Well, it's fitting because the game itself, if I remember correctly, is a fairly spooky title. Yeah, it's based on, like, a, like a horror, spooky, like, ghost type manga. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I love this music. I think it's one of, the, like, one of the best, most interesting, and, and really rich sounding soundtracks for the Famicom. Well, honestly, as a person who only learned about the mm. game's existence because of you, <laughs> I think I can agree with that assessment. <laughs> I've never played the game. Never played the no, game, no, but, no. but I'm going to. Like I say, if this game has a fan translation, and I will find out this week, hopefully. I will figure, I will find it, and I will play it. So I want to know what the fuss is. So I got this now. I have Layla. I love how I pose the inquiry to people, and I'm getting games from this episode that I should be playing. Well, when you break into some of these, if we find the fan translation for the, if there is a fan translation for Madara, we should play it together. I'd be fine. Or at with least that. like yeah, at least part of it. I want I want to see this thing. Sure, that could be done. Yeah. 
it's really catchy too. It's got that spooky kind of sound to it, but it's catchy. I'm not sure. I wonder if this is like a battle theme or if it's like a walking scenario, like a walking environment theme. Well, it's called Fighting Humans Way, but like fighting like the humans way. So maybe it's like a like it's like the monsters theme of like fighting the humans. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. Oh, that's somewhere you, there's even a segment where you can fighting where you control monsters. I don't. We don't know anything about this game. Mm. It's, it's going to be. Like I said, it's going to be an experience to learn just what it is that has. What, what is the game that has the music that has enthralled us? So. How do you feel about ghosts? I don't know. It depends on the ghost. I mean, if I had a ghost that lived... I mean, we used to have jokes. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, if, if this doesn't fit the show, you can always cut it out. No, it's fine. But back when we were younger, or not even younger, I was like a late... like We're talking like my late 20s, early 30s. A friend of mine came up with this odd sketch idea where it was like, if I lived in a house that was not only haunted... Mm-hmm. But it was haunted by a ghost of an old racist man from like the old, from like the old South. <laughs> That's terrible. So the idea was that he wasn't necessarily like a vengeful spirit, and that he would like you know try to kill me. He was just he just made my life awful. Oh jeez. So like he would just randomly say jerky stuff, or I'd have somebody over, and he's like just swearing and like like in like a uh, weird spooky way. And it's like, why are you doing this? <laughs> why won't you go to some other house? He's like, this is my house. Did he have a Did he have a scare? Did he have a horrible racist name? No, it was just we just called him racist ghost. Racist ghost. Like he didn't feel as though I was even worthy of learning what his actual name was. <laughs> like cool. it was just an awful guy. And yet somehow the way we describe way we would talk about it, it actually wrote in a humorous way. Because of the fact that it was just it was written humorously, like yeah. it wasn't meant to be evil well, or bad. It's, it's it was funny, just weird because we were just talking about the accidental racism of friends, but the definite, definite, real homophobia of the writing of friends. <laughs> really? Oh, a hundred percent. The nineties were not so true. sure of themselves. But no, no, no. But yeah, yeah. The the accidental racism of friends, but conversation maybe not for the show but definitely that's funny i like that yeah honestly to this day i wouldn't even mind writing if we could get like a talented writer to throw it up like it'd be pretty funny to throw together because it would have to be done very tastefully well very carefully very carefully that's what i mean (laughs) but like it it could be done because the 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 content is there and honestly who knows by the end of the series i could convert him to being a ghost that isn't a jerk and he actually passes on because what? he makes amends with his past life. What if we play uh, a Mario Senki Madara and that is the game? <laughs> that would be an odd Probably concept not. for a game. <laughs> you never know. I mean, I don't know who the I don't know who these guys are that made the game. They could have had some experiences in their lives I don't know. that they translate to this concept. Who knows? But I would play it. How the Japanese relate to that, I don't know. Or, you know it's, it's a ROM hack. It's a fan translation. <laughs> All right, uh, what's your final track? Not from that game. No, definitely not. <laughs> this track is from a game that I actually only played recently, but I read about it all, tons of Nintendo Power. I know. And I, I used to rent this game all the time. I was curious about it. Like, it, it, it made it sound so cool. But it's from the game Power Blade, and it doesn't have Duke Nukem as the star. <laughs> no. Uh, um, it's stage section four. Sector 4, rather, the Water Tower, and is composed by Kinyo Yamashita.
Welcome back. You're listening to Sector 4, The Water Tower, from the game Power Blade, composed by Kinuyo Yamashita. Mm-hmm. So this game is actually pretty cool to me in the sense that this is an NES game where it's less about progressing from point A to point B from a side-scrolling perspective, like just going across, and more about exploring an environment to locate two key points. You're looking for an agent an undercover agent who's got the key passcode to unlock the door leading to whatever information or boss you're trying to pursue for the level. So you're given this large playscape to work with, and every once in a while there might be a power-up hitting off in the corner somewhere. Another time it's just a flat-out dead end, and you just wasted your time going over there. So it, incit- it incentivizes you to actually map out the stages as you play. Hmm. So for future replays, if you don't recall the level layout yourself, you can just say, okay, I went this way, this way, blah, blah, blah. And you have a, a direct route to the contact and stage exit, forming the, pr- the best pathway to get there, along with getting power-ups that may help you without taking you too far out of the way. Yeah. I like that concept a lot. I remember um, really enjoying playing this game. Like it just it felt really good to play. I want to play the sequel now though because when I I played this at, uh, last year, end of last year more so, we had a retro game party that I attended, and of course there was like a ridiculous number of um, video game consoles. There were Thomas Waves, there was Neo Geo Cabs, mm-hmm. all that stuff, and they had this old Trinitron TV set up with an <laughs> NES running. Yeah. And they had this cart, and I was playing. And I was like, "Oh crap! This game is one I always wanted to play. Never got a chance to." So I sat down and played it. I was enjoying it. And I mentioned the sequel to Nintendo Power hyped that up, where you got different types of armor that mm-hmm. did different things. And they were like, "Nah, that game sucked." What? And I'm wondering, like, how can that be a bad game? It did more. Like, it took yeah, the same yeah. thing but gave you more. Like, how was that bad? But I'd like to get into it because I've listened to both of these soundtracks pretty, pretty much like a lot, and I like them a lot. Well, on the positive with something like this is that it's just a platformer in a sense where you can pick it up and get a feel of it in 10, 20 minutes. So based on this music that you're hearing right now, do you know uh, uh, Kinyo Yamashita, her claim to fame, her, her, claim, her first big soundtrack? No. Castlevania. Really? Yeah. The first one? Yeah, she's one of the, she's one of, yeah, the very first one. She's one of the original members of the Konami in-house band, the, uh, the Kukuhea Club. Now, out of curiosity, if you can think of it, can you recall? Can you? What is there a track from Castlevania One that this reminds you of? You know, I was originally going to say that this has this has more of a um, a punch out kind of vibe, but I think to me this does sound a lot like Vampire Killer. Hmm. Interesting. Cause well, I'm, I'm similar getting... to it, but she also worked on uh, one of my new favorites, Esper Dream for the Famicom. Um, she worked on Power Blade 1, Power Blade 2, Pocky and Rocky 2. There we go. Yeah. That's I, know, a gem. I know you love Pocky and Rocky. And um, uh, Mega Man X3. My AKA uh, my favorite Mega Man X game, mostly because of its soundtrack. Yeah, so there so, you go. Yeah, she's a fantastic, fantastic composer. Um, played piano since she was very, very little. Um, really, really great. Great stuff. Well, clearly I need to Konami, look Konami's first. like pulling out the hits on this episode, is what happened. Hey, I ain't complaining. I'm, no, I'm not complaining either. Except for that ROM hack. From God knows who. Oh man! Now I learned yeah. about it because of this episode. I'm yeah. going to play it. I feel bad. I was like, "Oh, this is a classic track I never heard it before." No, it's it's it was a remake. And hey, maybe some of the listeners learned about it because of this episode, and maybe they'll go down the same road I'm going down, which is to try this game out. Or now, one of so. our listeners knows who it is, and they should email Rob Nichols and say, "Hey, I know who this is." <laughs> Rhythminpixels at hotmail.com. It's probably going to be Ed from Pixel Tunes Radio. <laughs> Ed know, Wilson. I know who composed <laughs> the Rob Hacks OST. I'm sure. 
That guy has like a, a, a library of knowledge in his brain. Yes, um, he does. But, uh, let's turn this track down. What do you think? I can do that. Turn it down? Mm, yeah. All right. We're going to turn this track down, and we're going to get into the part of the show we call the bonus round. Bonus round. Bonus round. Bonus round. Bonus round. Bonus round. Where you get things. Bonusy. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> well, th- this part of the show, the bonus round part of the show, is where we play covers and arrangements and remixes based on our theme, which today was pretty forgiving because it was just NES jams. And you know what I thought was a jam on the NES? Star Tropics. Not Smuckers? Not Smuckers. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, at least that means your system's smuckers not covered in Smuckers. Jams. No, that's good. Um, it might have. I was a pretty messy child. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but no, Star Tropics was a super jam. Super, super NES jam, but regular NES. Sweet, NES. sweet jams. Um, so this is from Lame Genie which I think are also a jam. Fantastic arrangers and, and rockers, rocker outers. Um, so this <laughs> is a- Rocker outers? <laughs> rocker outers, outies, inners. Anyway, this is um, a medley from Star Tropics from Lame Genie. I know you're going to like this one, for now. I'm still stuck on the fact that I'm talking about Rucker Howard now. Don't even play. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. You're welcome. I'm there for you. I'll be there for you.
That was the Star Tropics medley from Lame Genie. That sounds like something that could have easily been in like a pop and music game. Oh. That was awesome. I, I love how it like it, it plays the um like like the 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 theme, the Star Tropics theme that we all know, like in the in the middle of it, but it's almost kind of dark and it goes halftime. I think it's super neat. I love this track. <laughs> I was bopping. Like that's like that's probably the this is probably the most exercise I get in a week. I guess you're like rocking out over I'm there. Liter- I'm legitimately like actually dancing because fun fact about me on the show or Funnish fact. I don't know really, but I love to dance. But I'm also a nerd who has social <laughs> anxiety, so it always takes a weird, a combination of things to get me to actually dance, dance. Mm-hmm. But chair dancing, you chair dance easy. Yeah, well, yeah, chair dance. Hey, pronounce. Do you know that July 28th, 2018, at the Auto Bar in Baltimore, Maryland, they're going to be there. Lame Genie is going to be there. Yeah, Lame Genie is going to be at BitGen 13. That's a lucky number. Alongside um, Rhythm and Pixels' friends, The Rare Candy, yeah. Steel Samurai, The Random Battles. <laughs> There's Pernell, a lot of these. The Random Battles, The Cowabunga Pizza Time, The X Hunters, <laughs> The Power Glove. The Power Glove's awesome. Yeah, Power Glove is good. really good. Well, all these guys are great. Oh, they're all fantastic. But yeah, um, so they'll be at July 28th. It's a Saturday at the Auto Bar. Bit Jen. And I will be there 13. struggling to find parking, as I always do. Oh, we're going to go together. Oh, that'd be great for me. Well, maybe we'll go separate. That works for I, me, too. I can't stay up that late. Because, like, you'll be rocking out, like, you know. I have a knack for being there till, like, 1 a.m. and then driving home. Yeah. I'll be, like, asleep by, like, 10. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have the sun setting uh, time to drive home. I'm a little lame, everybody. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, so what you got for the bonus round? Well, I love the name of this band that I came across. Yes, you do. So <laughs> I am going to probably be listening to them a lot going forward, but this is my first time coming across them, so I wanted to make that the first time. Hopefully, you guys came across them, too. They are called Vomitron, <laughs> and they've done a track mm-hmm. from Bionic Commando. Um, they pretty much like a full-on medley, I believe, but this is just one of like the first half of it, so right. I don't remember how long this is. If it's too long, I am sorry. <laughs> Otherwise, enjoy. <laughs> it is Bionic Commando, one out of two, or this Bionic Commando medley, and it's from their Necessary Evil album. Cool.
want two out of two, but we don't have time for that. <laughs> but holy crap, for those who forgot what I said earlier because of how awesome this track was. Super that was awesome. Bionic Commando, one out of two from the Vomitron Necessary Evil album. Very, 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 very good. That was very good. <laughs> so good. Like, honestly, they have a new fan in me now because of this track. And now I am seeking out pretty much all of their stuff. They have a few albums. They have three albums out there. There's the Vomitron. There's Vomitron Necessary Evil, and there's a new one um, I think came out last year. Really? Yes. Oh, so they're check still them. active, too. They're very active, so check them out. I w- well, I will. You will. <laughs> I will. Yeah, but as soon as the Area 5 theme came on in that track, I was like, oh, that's great. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. I liked it a lot. So foreboding. I love the uh, so whimsical. Uh, the double kick. The Wait, that's not whimsical at all. That wasn't whimsical. How was, can something be heavy. foreboding and whimsical at the same time? I don't think that's possible. Um, Pennywise the Clown. I guess that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, maybe. That could work. Um, but if you do want links to Vomitron, Lame Genie, and everyone else we've had on the bonus round part of our show, go to rhythmandpixels.com, and we'll have links to their band camps, their bios, their web pages, everywhere where you can go and grab their music and support the artists. Okay, thank you. All right, everybody. Everybody calm down. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for shopping at Rhythm and Pixels. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for shopping. Um, if you want awesome video game music, it's uh, Aisle 4. If you want um, Purnell's Words of Wisdom, that is the uh, mezzanine level. Actually, you're, you're, like the, you're like the guy with the... Um, with like the uh, cologne and you're trying to like spray people as they walk by and they're like hey hey remember hey remember you're gonna do great today and then someone walks back by it's like remember this and they just <laughs> punch me in the face spray paint me you uh, jerk I don't like how this story ended at all well I'm powerful so I don't feel it oh, okay that's, that's part of the joke but you leveled up I, le- I leveled up it's one of those Final Fantasy 2 characters I leveled up from taking damage how many people you gotta spray to level up <laughs> yeah. I said Spartan versus the space mutants Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah, you, you gotta make everyone red. Yeah, like I guess it was a weird premise for a game. Every level had an odd premise. quirk. One level was spray everything All orange. Right. One level was like find number two. That's one of the games where if you rented and you didn't have the instruction booklet, you were just running around. You're like, wow, Bart Simpson's in a video game. What does he do? Yeah, that thing I think about. It. I don't no think the game knew. does explain. Does it explain within no. the game what you're supposed to do? No, it, it's like one of those, um, like Who Framed Roger Rabbit or like Dick Tracy type games where it's like you don't know. You're just you're just playing the game and you should you should read the booklet to know what to do next. <laughs> oh, Jesus crap, God. that game was terrible. You know what? You don't have to read the booklet to know what Rhythm and Pixels is all about. That is true. In fact, you can just ask us. By sending us an email <laughs> at rhythmandpixels at hotmail.com, dudes. And if you want to learn how to play Rhythm and Pixels and more information about the show and a full track listing, all of the music and all of the links to all the episodes, go to the website at rhythmandpixels.com, not slash eat my shorts. <laughs> I like that. Um, and check us out on uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, everywhere. That's called social media it's uh rhythm and pixels it's usually all one word just type it in there you'll find us you'll see our logo you'll see a little pixelized versions of us hanging out pointing at each other just doing what we do doing what we do best which is pointing at each other (laughs) 
Uh, I was say also just to reiterate earlier what we were talking about before. If you have any cool unsung NES heroes or Genesis or Super Nintendo or Turbo Graphics for that matter, hit us with the hit them with us on the email or the chat groups because I think it's at that point where I want to do a little bit of a deep dive. Mm. I mean, I do a lot of these recent game reviews, and of course, everybody's chasing the the, the console dragon of new game releases, but I want to dive deep on classics that I haven't played. Mm. Not nostalgia. I'm talking new retro. Uh. So hit me up with the deets. I want to get into it. All right, you let them know. You let them know. You find them on, you find them on Facebook. You're active there. Uh, I get down on the book face. Yes. Um, and if you like the show a lot, um, and you want to support the show, the best thing you can do is share it. Share it with your friends. Share it on Facebook or Twitter or wherever. Um, or uh, hit the like button or subscribe button on whatever you're listening on. If it's like uh, iTunes podcast or Stitcher or anything like that. Um, and if you really like us, I like you too. <laughs> if you want to maybe go out sometime, uh, go to patreon.com slash rhythm and pixels. <laughs> um, yeah, you can um, much appreciated. Every dollar there goes back into the show, paying the hosting costs, paying um, all the costs related to running a podcast and new equipment too, which is really great. And we like to give a little shout out to the end of the episodes to thank you for, for, for supporting us. So thank um, super, super patron. Number one, Alex, the messenger um, new patron, Brian Kunkel. Thank you very, very much for your support. We want to thank Wicked Sephiroth. We want to thank um, new patron, OK Impala. Oh, thank- he became a patron. He became a patron. And thank you for the for the message. It, we, it means a lot to us. You have no idea. Honestly, I was having a really turtly day. And I don't mean like turtle as in like a <laughs> slow turtle. Um, and that message actually brought me out of quite the funk. It was really nice to read, and it's so appreciated. So thank you, OK Impala. That was, that was, that was really great. But not to be outdone, we want to thank Carlos. We want to thank Morton Gangso. We want to thank Henrik Anderson, who um, hangs out on uh, Discord, uh, Discord quite a bit. So if you want to chat with him, he's out there. He's hanging out. He's a great guy. And, I'm, and I actually finally got my Discord to fix the notification, so oh. I actually can communicate <laughs> in there better, too. It's like, oh, hey, I got a message. Um, we want to thank Michael Bridgewater of the Forever Sound Version podcast, which is an amazing video game music podcast out of North England. Check him out. He's really great. We want to thank Brian Pitt, who's a, another uh, constant supporter of the show and just a really friendly dude. Thank Chris Murray. Eh, he's all right. And Dan <laughs> and David Smith. Chris thank you all. Dude, I like, no, I like Chris a lot. <laughs> thank, thank you all so much for supporting the show. Um, we appreciate that. And we will we'll see you next week. We haven't quite picked the topic just yet. but We're um, narrowing one down. We're narrowing down. We got, we got a lot to pick from now. The question boils down to... Until we get a, another um, guest, and then it's like, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> well, this time, I think we got... I feel like we should narrow it down between these two. We should just say it on the show in general. Looking at the pinball theme, we also got the ba- the guys with bats theme mm-hmm. that was suggested. Right. Both of those were suggested topics. Um, so it's just a matter of which of the two we want. Right. And um, this week, we will be recording... Um, another live streamed episode for our Patreon subscribers. Bum, bum, bum. So yeah, as Patreon subscribers, not only do we shout out your name and get goofy with you on air, we have little extras for you. We do um, mixtapes of all of the latest episodes you can get on Patreon.com, and we do a live stream um, exclusive to Patreon supporters. I had um, a weird thought very just cool. now. What's up? I'm not sure how the record would go, but that would be why it would work for a live episode. You and I, shirtless and drunk. 
Come on. We do that all the time. Candle lit. No, no, I'm going to have one. Eyes across the, the hey, desk. Hey, 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 Elvis is in the room. <laughs> but maybe try like a rando live Mega Man play or something like while we're doing the record. See if I can beat the game before the recording of the episode is over. I think I would like that. If we can like have like a little, uh, uh, like in the, in the bottom right of the screen, like a picture in picture. Yeah, it could either be on the computer or if we don't have that, I can just play on the DS even. Oh, that'd be really cool. Now I think we should make that work because I got some new hardware to, to plug in. Maybe we can make it happen. <laughs> It'd be hilarious, that's for sure. All right, well, um, thank you for listening to Rhythm and Pixels. It's a video game music podcast. The end of World 12. What's going to happen next? Will there be a desert town? Will the, will the religious organization turn out to be a fraud? Oh my god! All you gotta do is download the next episode and find out. Dun, dun, dun. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Purnell. Thank you for listening. And remember... <laughs> life is a strange... strange it's a highway! And honestly, gas can be pretty low on it. But... You know, we it, honestly, people kind of come and go in our lives, and they touch us in different ways. Mm. And unfortunately, partly because of social media, I'll admit, sometimes those connections are harder to work with when they're gone or not gone. And we place too much emphasis on certain connections than others. But the reality of it is that even though our connections, our friendships, and love interests are very important to us, you can't forget to neglect that show appreciation and attention to yourself. Do things that make you happy. Do things that make you a better person and make it so that you function to the best of your engine ability, regardless of who is in or not in your life. Just be a great dude. And quite frankly, you never know. Other people might pop up because of how great a dude you are. Mm. Message applies to dudettes as well. (laughs) 